Welcome to the Lagan Valley Vineyard Podcast. We are a community passionate about seeing Lagan Valley filled with the presence and the teachings of Jesus. If you would like to connect with us or if we can help you in any way, please visit our website, laganvalleyvineyard.com. So we are continuing our series in the blessed life, uh, wrestling with this question, what does blessing look like? Who is blessed? Um, We have all sorts of answers and ideas. The guy with the big house, uh, he's blessed. The person with the fancy car, they're blessed. The person who gets to go on the most holidays during the year, they're probably blessed. But Jesus seems to have some kind of different definitions of blessing that don't really make sense. At least they don't make sense until we inhabit them and wear them and try them out. And this morning we're Matthew 5 verse 9 where Jesus says this, he says, blessed or blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called the children of God. Blessed are those who spend their lives making peace because they will be known as the children of God. Um, My uh, grandmother, um, she just turned 90 recently. She's known affectionately in our house as We Nana. And uh, Wee Nana is a delight to talk to on the phone. And she loves to chat on the phone. Some of you maybe have grandparents like this. She just, she's nothing more she loves. Well, actually, she loves just being in the house more. But second to being in her house, the next best thing is talking to Wee Nana on the phone. But, and I love talking to her on the phone. But there's this really strange thing happens when you're on the phone with Wee Nana is you have your conversation, you catch up by what's been going on in the week and all those sorts of things. And then my kind of, we're coming to the end of the conversation. Q goes something like this. Okay, wee Nana, love you. And then almost every time I say that, this response comes back that I'm not ready for, even though that we've been playing this game for decades, where she says something like, right, what's the weather like up by you? And then you'll have we tell about the weather, and then you'll say, Okay, wee Nana, love you. And then she'll say, and, and what about the wee ones? What are they doing this week? And then you'll talk about that. And okay, wee Nana, love you. And then you get another question. Well, this really strange thing has started to happen to me where conversations with my mum on the phone, that started to happen. Now, this isn't what's always happened. This is brand new. And you have a conversation, okay, mom, right, see you later, love you. And then you get this random question. But then she says, oh, goodness, I'm just like your nana. <laughs> I wonder what parts of your kind of family do you feel like that you're marked by? Do you ever notice this funny thing that happens when newborns uh, are born and they arrive and you go to see them or you're around a wee family gather and everyone's looking at the wee baby and then there, there comes this kind of, this question always comes with who are they like? Who are they like? And then there's an argument about whether they're like the mom or they're like the dad. Um, some of you, when you get into arguments with your spouse, now don't react to this or you'll get yourself in trouble, but so, some of you who are married, when you get into really frustrating arguments with your spouse, will find yourselves saying something like, do you know what, you're just like your dad. Or, uh, oh my goodness, you're just like your mother. And those things usually aren't received with like, you know, oh, that's such a kind thing you just said. (laughs) There's this really funny thing that's happened to my brother where my brother and my dad 
have the same walk. Like, that, how, like how does that even happen? Where, like, these completely different people now, like, in certain light and from a certain distance from the back, I would actually find it difficult to tell whether it's my dad or my brother, though I'll know it's one of them. Like, I'd recognize the walk anywhere. For better or for worse, and the reality is, for most of us, it's both. We're marked by our families. Like, there are things that we have in our lives, ways of behaving, ways of speaking, ways of walking, that we inherit from our families. And lots of them are good things. And some of them are annoying things, or at least your spouse might say that. You're just like your dad. You're just like your mom. This text or this blessing that Jesus says, blessed are those who make peace, for they will be called the children of God. Is Jesus answering a question, what way do we have to live for us to be like God? Like what would your life have to look like for people to watch you and say they walk just like their father in heaven? They behave just like God. What does living like God look like? Now, it's really interesting because in our vocabulary, sometimes we will use the term God or Goddess to describe certain people. My wife, just joking, kind of not. That's how I feel. You're not allowed to feel that way or that's weird. Um, This week, we lost the rock Goddess, Tina Turner. Some people uh, would argue that Lionel Messi is a football god. Um, I'm not so uh, current on this, but I, I don't know who the kind of latest Hollywood god-like person is in terms of attractiveness. Um, there was a time when people would have talked about Brad Pitt being a bit like a god. Um, it's a funny expression, and usually what we associate with that is some level of talent, ability, or power. That whenever we describe someone as godlike, they're a god of, we mean that they are full of power when it comes to that thing. And we get absolutely obsessed with it. As a culture, we are obsessed with power. We get fascinated by it. We want to see it. We want to get around it. When somebody really famous is coming or is in town, there's this funny thing. People line the streets, try to see them. Celebrities captivate us. Like there is a multi-million pound industry wrapped up in just kind of observing celebrities. That like there's this famous pop star, and here's a picture of her on a stage, and here's a picture someone managed to get while she was in Tesco's with no makeup on, and that sells, well, I don't know, do we even sell magazines anymore? That like fills our social media feeds. It doesn't really make much sense to me, but it is massive in the world where we are obsessed with what are powerful people like, what do powerful people do? The problem that I observe for people that I'm trying to help follow Jesus and figure out what life with God is like is 
for many of us, our imagination is formed more by what's going on in the world around us than it is by what Jesus says and how Jesus thinks. Because these blessings that he describes in Matthew 5 don't seem that high on cultural priority lists. What does living like God look like? Well, surely it looks like power. Well, that's true and it's not true. But yes, of course, there is no more powerful being in the world and the universe than God. But how we observe power working in the world and how God uses power couldn't be more different. That usually we think power looks like some agency we have to be able to do whatever we want, wherever we want it. That if I have more power, then I get to do what I want more often. Jesus models a completely different definition of how power works and actually what power looks like. Because in the life of Jesus, power ultimately looked like weakness. The crucifixion is the ultimate demonstration of the love and power of God, but to the world it looked like humiliation and defeat. Because you see, the truth is God's power is never self-serving. God's power is never about him just getting to do more of what he wants. God's power came into the world to serve humanity. What does living like God look like? Jesus in this blessing defines it as peacemaking. Blessed are those who make peace for they will live lives that look like God or they will be known as the children of God. He's just like his dad. She's just like her dad. When you make peace, people will say, you're just like God. Or at least they should if they understand what God is like. This blessing, like all of them, is a window into a whole new world that Jesus called the kingdom of God, where there are a whole new uh, list of ways of behaving that lead us and our communities into full and real life. Life in the kingdom is a little bit upside down. It's against the current. It's um, it's an old philosopher used to say, only dead fish go with the flow. Life in the kingdom enables us to swim against the flow where we order our lives around different things than everything that's going on around us. You ever notice there are things in your life that you don't want to do, but when you do them, you feel better for it? I said this before to, uh, in, in this kind of context that I can tell when I'm fit because I enjoy exercise. Someone came up to me after I said that one day and said, I realize, Andy, I've never been fit in my life. <laughs> but there are things, there are things in our lives often that we don't want to do. But when we do them, we feel better for them. When my alarm goes off at half six and I get the dogs out and go for a walk up the field, like in bed when the alarm is going, it is the last thing in the world I want to do. And yet every morning when I come back through the back door, I go, I'm so glad I did that. And then the next day I have the same argument in my head. Just lie here, don't bother, the dogs will be fine. Get a coffee and sit down. I wonder if, for those of you on social media, have you seen this ice bath craze thing that's happening right now? 
Like it's, it seems to be all over social media of people getting an ice bath first thing in the morning. Because I, I mean, walking up the field with the dogs is hard for me. I can't imagine the ice bath thing. A few years ago, that craze was planking. I'm glad we passed that one too. What's my point? Why do people do ice baths? Why is it important for me to walk up the hill with the dogs? Most things in life that are good for us don't come naturally to us. That will really help you if you understand that's true. That most things in life that are really good for you don't come naturally to you. They require effort, discipline, and sadly, they require us to be uncomfortable. Discomfort is part of what it means to live a meaningful, full life. And so if our understanding of blessing is a life absent of discomfort, we typically get pretty stuck. We've got to be careful as a whole society that our definition of utopia doesn't become comfort. And we worship at idols and altars of our own comfort that shrink our lives on a daily, weekly basis. If we could just eliminate all of the discomfort from our lives, then maybe we would be happy. Jesus has a very different idea. What if by practicing things that don't come naturally to you, things that even make you uncomfortable, they could lead you into real and full life? Practicing these things that Jesus is describing as blessings most of them bring with them a level of disruption and discomfort in our lives. Peacemaking is flipping hard. Making peace is really difficult. One of the great ironies about places like Northern Ireland is due to conflict and trauma, we become experts at peacekeeping and never discover peacemaking. There is a huge difference between keeping the peace and making peace. Peacekeeping is don't rock the boat thinking. Peacemaking is challenging the things that keep us from real peace. Some of you will occupy the role in your wider family of peacekeeper. Like just help that sibling be quiet or usher that person out of the room for a wee moment because there's going to be some kind of conflict. Peacekeeping is the avoidance of conflict. Peacemaking requires us often to confront and even go to war with the attitudes, habits, and norms that keep us from peace. Peacekeeping builds walls. And peacekeeping makes tolerance the goal. This is what's happened in societies that have been ravaged by conflict like ours, where our salvation is in tolerance. If we could just become a more tolerant society, then that would change everything. Now, don't get me wrong, I would love that, but Jesus has a higher bar than tolerance. The thing that Jesus calls his people and his church to is a whole other word called reconciliation. And reconciliation takes us into way deeper water than tolerance. We can live in a tolerant society that never enables us to see the face of God in our enemies. And that's God's agenda. That you would see him 
in the face of your enemies. That requires something way beyond tolerance. That requires something way more than mindfulness or ice baths. That requires a revolution in our souls that we can't achieve on our own. The Anglican minister, Sam Wells, famously said this. He said, the gospel is reconciliation and reconciliation is the gospel. That if we are to order and shape our lives around the way of Jesus and how he sees the world, then peacemaking is a vocation that all of us are called to. It's part of what it means to follow Jesus. Northern Ireland's hope and future, if left to our political class, will be one that settles for tolerance. For those of us who follow Jesus, we're required to pray and to live into something so much more called reconciliation, where we learn to see Jesus in the face of people who aren't like us and who push all of our buttons. How do we do this? How do we build peace in a place that has been ravaged for centuries by conflict? Well, the first and most obvious thing to say is you can't build something that you don't have. You can't build something that you don't have. So let me ask you this question. Are you at peace? Are you at peace? Where would you put yourself on the peace spectrum? And maybe that depends on the day. Like, you know, whenever life is good, the bills are paid, everybody's healthy, everything's on an even keel, then we feel at peace. So does everybody else. (laughs) That doesn't require much from God. There's a peace that the Bible describes as peace that passes understanding. That's a whole other thing. That's peace that's present when circumstances have gone crazy. That whenever things aren't as you long for them to be, is it possible that you could be at peace? It's a peace that cannot be understood. It's a peace that doesn't come from just kind of curating your beliefs or ticking the right box in your theology. Peace that passes understanding is something that we receive from God in the Holy Spirit. Are you at peace? Peace with God, peace with yourself, and peace with the world. We remember today Pentecost, the birthday of the church when the Holy Spirit was poured out, the original peacemaker, the one who came to bring peace into the world, peace between us and God, peace between us and ourselves, and peace between us and the world. It's one of the reasons why listening to all of our friends praying in their languages is so moving. There's something about that in this context that allows us to peer behind the curtain of the way the world should be. The tribalism is not marked by fear or domination, but by celebration, love, and respect. So are you at peace? The truth is, I know lots of you. And most of my job is helping people who are not at peace. It's like trying to hold on to a bar of soap or fish that you've just caught. It's like it's there for a moment and then you hold it too tight and it's flown past you. You try to grab it again. Where does it go? Where has it been? 
if I could just get it and hold on to it, maybe everything would be okay. We can't build something we don't have, so what do we do? How do we get peace? There are two things that are really important for those of us that long to be at peace. Repentance and the receiving of the Holy Spirit. The path for us to walk towards peace begins with repentance. Now, for any of you that have been living in Northern Ireland for any length of time or walked a few high streets on a Saturday, that word can be a little jarring as we expect it to be said with angry tones and attached to judgment. What's funny is the accurate word to attach to repentance is freedom. Repentance is simply turning around that my life is headed this way and by repenting, I turn around and I go this way. Repentance is the admission that it's not working. The way I've ordered my life, the things that I've prioritized, the stuff that I'm pursuing, it's not working. It doesn't seem to be leading me to a place of peace. We repent, we recognize that, we say, this isn't working. There's no such thing as too broken for God, only too arrogant. I don't need that, I don't need him. I'll figure this out on my own. Good luck with that. Repentance is the admission that I I need more than I have. I don't have enough in me. And I repent, I turn. We receive peace through repentance and through the Holy Spirit. And here's the irony, that the past, the peace, is often not a peaceful one. The path to peace is often not a peaceful one because we have to confront things in our lives that we're afraid of. We have to be honest about things in our lives that are keeping us down or holding us back. We have to risk some things. If we are to be just like our Father in heaven, making peace in the world, then the first place we have to allow him to do his work is within us, making us at peace with him and ourselves. James, why don't you and the band come back up as we finish? Three things that I want us to think about as we uh, come to land. If we're here and we're saying, "Ah, gosh, I need... I need some more peace in my life. The first thing I've said it, we need to repent. The second thing, we need to receive the Holy Spirit. And the third thing is we need to repair. There are relationships in your life that are broken that you need to repair. Attitudes, hurts that you've harbored maybe for decades that keep you from being at peace. And it's time It's time to make the phone call, to go for the walk, to have the coffee, and to say perhaps the two hardest words in the English language for Egypt's like me and like you. I'm sorry. So funny. Those words, they're so hard to say. And yet on the other side of them is a world called peace that as we repent, as we receive the Holy Spirit, and as we repair the relationships in our lives that are broken, we welcome a peace in our lives that passes understanding, a peace that's not attached to circumstance, a 
A peace that's not all about just being comfortable all the time. A peace that won't settle for tolerance. A peace that could change an entire nation. If you're able, will you stand? So we're gonna, um, just gonna create a moment in worship for you to reflect a little bit. Um, some of you need to repent and that's a good thing. You need to acknowledge that there's stuff in your life that's not working and just bring it to Jesus. Super simple. Some of you, you need to receive. Receive the presence and power of God. Holy Spirit is a personal, powerful person. Not a force, not a theology, but an alive being that we receive and that empowers us to live in ways that pass all understanding. Some of you, maybe as we worship, you just receive, just breathe in, receive the Holy Spirit, the power of God freshly. And for some of you, you know that God's just putting his finger on relationships in your life that need repaired. And it's time. And peacekeeping is keeping that door shut. We can tolerate each other. It's okay. And God's saying, no, it's time for peacemaking. It's time for repair. Let me pray as we come to worship and then I'll jump up again in a second. So Holy Spirit, we welcome you to do your work among us. Would you convict us of the parts of our lives that need to change? Would you open us to receive you, Holy Spirit? And would you reveal to us the relationships in our lives that need to be repaired? Spirit.